Well, go ahead and grab a Bible. If you don't have one on you, there are pew Bibles in front of you. And I'm going to ask you actually to be marking some stuff down in the Bibles as we go. You are welcome to write in the pew Bibles. Nothing better than a Bible that's well used and well loved and engaged with. And so I would encourage you, I'm just going to ask you to mark some things down in a minute. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Um, I told you all a couple weeks ago that I had just had surgery. So two Sundays ago, I just had surgery on my left knee to have meniscus repaired. And then um, this past week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, I had a doctor's appointment, a post-op. Monday, uh, which is a holiday, I was sitting at home with shorts on, looking at my knee, looking at three stitches, and I thought, I can take those out. Right? I mean, you're looking at, like, you're, you're pulling on a little bit, like, you just, you know, little scissors and cut and pull. Like, I think that's how it works. I did not take the stitches out myself. I waited to the next day. But I think we've all, like, had experiences in our lives where we knew what needed to be done, but we had to wait for someone else to do it for us. Someone else who knew what they were doing or someone that had power or authority to make a change. Like, we knew something needed to be done. We needed someone to help us with it. And last week we talked about the ascension, about when Jesus, after, uh, after being with his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection, when he ascends into heaven and sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And so after that, what he does is, or right before he leaves, he tells his disciples, wait. They knew what they needed to do. He gave them a commission, a command, but he told them to wait. And so just imagine them like sitting in that room, waiting on something to happen. And so today, which is what we call Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost is when their waiting was answered, when God came and he sent his spirit to fill them, to be in them as the church, to be empowered. And so what I want you to see today is, Because you have the presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have the power. Because God has given you the presence of his Holy Spirit, just like he gave the church, you have the power, the power to experience transformation in your life and in the world. And I think we often can live as if we don't have access to that power, but I'm here to tell you that's the story that Scripture tells us we're going to look at in just a minute, is that God's people were given the power they needed to experience what he wanted for their life and what he wanted for their world. They had the power, and if we miss this, if we miss the chance to respond to the Spirit, to pay attention to the Spirit, like we, we might find ourselves just waiting and waiting and waiting and wondering when change is going to come, when things will be different, when God has already given us the power. And we might even find ourselves just relying on our own strength, doing what comes in our own abilities. And some of us are very talented at things, and yet we can neglect and miss out on the power and presence of God's very spirit within us. So let's see what happened with the early church in Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So all of the disciples were gathered. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak in other tongues, other languages that they did not previously have command of as the Spirit enabled them. So let's stop right there. This is the moment. This is the moment the early Christians had been waiting on. It reminds me of a different moment that I had been waiting on. Uh, I remember the first time that I sat behind the wheel of my first car. It was a, a Mazda MX-6. Uh, one of these beauties it was uh, the black one right there. I thought it was the Batmobile. I may have driven it like it was the Batmobile. Um, I loved that car, but I remember the moment. Some of you remember this too. Like the moment you got your driver's license, you sat behind the car. There was nothing stopping you. You were a driver. Everything had changed. You might not have been a good driver, but everything had changed. You didn't need anything else. You could drive to your heart's content. And that's what happens on this day is, is they are filled with the Spirit. They don't need anything else. They don't need anything else. They're filled with the Spirit. They have everything that they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to experience transformation. They may not be great at it, they may make mistakes like all of us do in our faith, but they are empowered fully. This is the moment where everything has changed for them. And the gospel has been let loose in their lives and in the world to move them. The Spirit moves them to follow Christ wherever they find themselves. And so I want you to see three things in this text today that help us understand what it means for us to be empowered by the Spirit, for the Spirit to move us in our lives. So the first thing is I want you to underline the phrase tongues of fire. In verse 3, it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So, so fire in the Bible, represents the presence of God. And so the presence of God is resting on them. But then it says that they start to speak in foreign languages for the purpose of spreading the good news about Jesus. And so biblically, what this would be called is prophecy. Prophecy, that they are prophesying, that they are speaking the truth about God to God's people. And so God has come to them, he has empowered them, and they are prophesying. And so in the Bible also, anytime someone prophesied, it meant that the Spirit of God had gotten a hold of them. And so it's really clear these early Christians are experiencing the presence of the Spirit in their lives. So the first thing is God gives them his presence. The second thing I want you to see is I want you to underline the phrase, a violent wind came from heaven. A violent wind came from heaven. So if you've ever been in uh, straight line winds or a hurricane or a tornado, what you'll know is that wind can be awfully powerful. And so a violent wind is a symbol of power filling the room. Last week, again, we talked about the ascension, about Jesus going up to heaven. And that was like part one. The ascension was like part one, that Jesus ascends into heaven. And what Pastor Emily Hamilton said was, Jesus' ascension was not some heavenly vacation. It was a coronation. That when Jesus ascends, he's ascending to the throne, that he's given all the power for our healing and for hope and for joy and salvation to flood the world, that he's being enthroned in his ascension. So if Jesus is given power in part one, part two is the coming of the Spirit to fill the church. So he's given power, and now we're giving power. We are given power. So if we're given the presence and the power, why would we settle for anything less? And yet 
theologian N.T. Wright says, made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we are satisfied with sentiment. But new creation has already begun. That's what happens in the ascension. New creation has begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of the present world. That, quite simply, is what it means to be Christian. To follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. The world that God is recreating in the image of Christ has been thrown open before us. Don't settle for anything less. He has empowered you to walk into that world. We are called to walk into it and to not settle every single day. He's given us his presence and his power. And therefore, the third thing I need you to see is I want you to circle the word Pentecost. Circle the word Pentecost. So uh, we are calling this series 40 Days That Changed the World. But Pentecost is actually 50 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so biblically, uh, the nation of Israel had these festivals that were these annual festivals that reminded them of what God had done for them. It kind of rooted their imagination in the story of what God had done for them. And so they had these different festivals. One of them was Passover. And then seven weeks later, 49 days or 50 days later, was a festival that we call Pentecost. The Greek name was Pentecost. It has another Hebrew name, but it was 50 days days later. Now, the original festival, 50 days after the Passover, in the story of the Exodus. So the Exodus is like the defining story of God's people in the Old Testament. God rescued the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt. He led them across the desert, across the sea, and gave them a new land. That's their story, right? And so then 50 days after he does that, they arrive at a place called Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, he gives them what's known as the law. The law was a way for them to live out what he had done for them 50 days later. Okay, so don't miss this. If 50 days after the Exodus, he gives them a way to live into their newfound freedom, 50 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus, he gives God's people a way to live into their newfound freedom. How? He sends them the Holy Spirit for his power and his presence to be a part of our lives, that it's meant to be the way that we follow Jesus every single day is to be people that are spirit-led and spirit-dependent. And just like we know that we could never redeem ourselves, we tell you that all the time, we cannot do for us what God can do for us. We cannot redeem ourselves. And in the same way, we cannot grow in our faith. We cannot walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We cannot follow him on our own. We need something, someone else. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that the sacrificial love of Jesus might define us wherever we find ourselves. We cannot live that or do that on our own. It's why the early Christian apostle Paul prayed this for the church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, God, may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Those words are for you. Those words are for me. 
that we might be strengthened in our inner being through his spirit, that the Holy Spirit's presence is in us and God guides us to transform our lives and to transform our world and our relationships. He is the one who moves us. We need his power and his presence to experience transformation every single day. And yet I, I think that many of us aren't experiencing that transformation because we're neglecting the presence of the Spirit in our lives. Every single night before I go to bed, what do I do with this? Charge it, I charge it, I plug it in. If you said scroll the internet, I would, that, that would be correct too, but that's not what I'm trying to make a point about. I plug it in every night before I go to bed. Why? Because it's worthless without battery. It's worthless unless it's full, fill, full of battery, unless it's filled up. It cannot do what it's meant to do unless it's got a full battery, right? We cannot do what we are meant to do unless we are tapped in and plugged in and full of the Holy Spirit. It is the gift that God gives every single Christ follower. He wants to fill us with his Spirit so that we have the power to follow him, why wouldn't we plug ourselves into that power? I want to ask you this question. What would change? What would change in your life if you truly paid attention, if you were truly plugged into the presence and the power of the Spirit in your marriages, in your parenting, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, on your sports teams, in your schools? What would change if you were truly plugged into the power of the Spirit what if we didn't live on empty like everyone else? Because like, here's the thing. I know you're zapped. I know we're tired. I know we're anxious. I know we're overwhelmed and busy. I know we have a lot on our minds. But what would it look like for that not to be the defining part of our story, but the defining part is that we are plugged into what God has done for us, that we are paying attention to the Spirit so that when we enter into the spaces where God has called us, we're not relying on a dead spiritual battery, but that we're relying on the Holy Spirit. What would truly change about your life if you were spirit-led and spirit-dependent and spirit-empowered everywhere you went? If we did not rely on our own strength, but on the Spirit of God. I love that... Uh, Author and, and Pastor Francis Chan says in his book on the Holy Spirit, if it's true that the Spirit of God dwells in us, and that's true for every Christ follower, the Spirit of God dwells in us, and that our bodies are the Holy Spirit's temple, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside of him or her and the person who does not? Ah, what a convicting question. The Spirit of God's in us, could anybody tell? Would anybody notice? In fact, Francis Chan's book on the Holy Spirit is called The Forgotten God because of how so many Western Christians have neglected the presence of the Holy Spirit in our faith that we think people that take the Holy Spirit seriously must be these elite Christians or special Christians or those who are really dialed in. But it's actually for every single one of us one of, the, one of the hopes I have for this church is that we would be a church that takes the Holy Spirit seriously. That we would listen. 
that we would follow, that we would attend to his presence in our midst so that his power might be unleashed in our lives and in the world around us. God is with us everywhere we go. We have the power to do everything that Christ has called us to do because we have the presence of God with us. It's not about your power. It's not about my power. It's about the power of the resurrected one living in each and every one of us because you have the presence of the Spirit of God. You have the power to experience his transformation in your life and in the world because you have the Spirit and the presence. You have the power. Can we take that seriously? Can we let the Spirit do what only the Spirit can do? I want you to remember as we started this sermon talking about the disciples on that Pentecost Sunday, waiting in the upper room, just waiting, waiting on God to do something. I feel like I've done a whole lot of waiting over the last few years, <laughs> a whole lot of waiting. But then I think about what are we waiting on? I'm in so many conversations about what's, what's next or where's, where is this headed or what's the future? And that's fine. Those are good conversations. But what's now? We're not waiting. Pentecost has happened. It's not happening today. It happened years ago. We're living into it. Pentecost is now. We're living in the presence of the Spirit. What are we waiting on? I mean, I, I think as a church, like, we're not waiting on that perfect program to start, or we're not waiting on so-and-so to come back. As much as we miss them, we're not waiting on a new staff member to be hired. We're not waiting on anything. The Spirit is with us now. Let's not miss it. Thank you. Let's not wait. This is what God is up to with us. We're not waiting on anything. We're, the Spirit is in you, each and every one of you. From those of you who may have spent four hours in prayer this morning before you came to worship, and those of you who haven't prayed in years, the Spirit is in you. If you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, let's not miss a chance to follow him. Let's not miss a chance to build a church on him and on what he's done for us and the power that's possible. Let's take the Holy Spirit seriously. Let's plug into that power. His presence and his power changes everything. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God. Holy God, nourish us. Come to us. I think about your spirit and how your spirit, it feeds us and it empowers us and it comforts us. It connects us to you and your will for our lives. It connects our church to you. God, may we not neglect the spirit. May we take Pentecost seriously. May it use our lives and our church with the power that only you can bring. May you be the presence for transformation. May today be a day where we turn a corner and we realize we're not waiting on the future, that we're living in, we're living in your presence now, that your presence makes a difference, that you desire to transform us and use us and guide us. God, bless your people today. We love you and praise you in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen.